Well, good evening, folks, and uh, lovely to see you all out this evening. Uh, we do have a few people away. Got uh, some text in the afternoon, and Barbara's not too well either. And uh, of course, Pastor Gibbon has got a procedure. So, and there are others who are away. Uh, we think of uh, uh, Adolf and Melanie Kemper. They're away at this time. So, uh, just pray that the Lord has a blessing for them too. Okay, let's ask the Lord's blessing in prayer as we turn to his word this evening. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we seek thy face. Within the veil, we bow the knee. Oh, let thy glory fill this place and bless us while we wait on thee. Our Father, again, we give thee thanks that we can meet in our Savior's name. We give thee thanks that we can come before thee at the mercy seat, as it were. And Father, we just pray that you would take the speaker this evening, hide him behind the cross, that no man might be seen. Father, we want to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to look at him this evening. And so, our Father, we do pray that as the word goes forth, each and every one of us might have the open ear and the understanding heart to receive it. And Father, as we leave this place, may it be that each one of us would say, it was good for us to be here, for here we met with the Lord and was blessed. To this end, undertake, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory in our Saviour's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness leaning upon her beloved? And the question is, and the title of the message is, Whom or who? Are you leaning upon? Now the Song of Solomon, as the title suggests, is a song. It's a love story between the bride and the bridegroom. It's a wonderful picture of the love uh, between the bride, which is the church, and the bridegroom, our Lord Jesus Christ. Solomon wrote... 1,005 songs and he spoke 3,000 proverbs that's recorded in 1st Kings chapter 4 and verse 32 but as the first verse of this book says this is the song of songs we can take it that this is the best of the 1,005 songs hence it is in the canon of scripture. There's some very descriptive language used in the Song of Solomon. And it is said that Jewish males, I'm not sure about females, but Jewish males were not allowed to read this book, the Song of Solomon, until they reached the age of 30 years of age, which was deemed to be the age of maturity. It is not a book that is often preached from. But all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, that is mature, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Whom are you leaning upon? The portion of scripture that we've just read together begins with a very interesting question. The question was asked by the daughters of Jerusalem. 
I want to, as best as I can, to answer that very important question. The daughters of Jerusalem are mentioned seven times in the book of the Song of Solomon. They are the young women, the young ladies, those that were not married in Jerusalem. That's who they represent. So, we will be looking at this short portion of Scripture and hopefully questioning maybe ourselves in relation to some points. Folks, there's no doubt that we are living in desperate days. Just turn on your television and listen to the news. We're living in desperate days. And the question arises, who can we trust? Who can we rely upon? Who can we lean upon for support in these days? Again, the question is, who is this that cometh up from the wilderness leading upon her beloved? The daughters of Jerusalem said this when they saw the radiant bride leaning upon her beloved. As I said, the daughters of Jerusalem were young ladies not espoused to a bridegroom. They were the unmarried. And as such, they would represent the unbelieving or those who professed and did not possess. They had no bridegroom. And they asked the question, who is this? I say radiant because it was a question about her. She seemed to be the center of attraction on this occasion. Who is this that cometh up out of the wilderness leaning on her beloved? So the question is about her. I say radiant because she is the one that stood out and caused the question to be asked. I say radiant because of several descriptions in the other scriptures. Please turn to a page or two, Song of Solomon chapter 6, maybe just across the page. Song of Solomon chapter 6, which says, uh, verse 1 please, Whither is thy beloved gone, O thy fairest among women? Whither is thy beloved turned aside, that we may seek him with thee? And so, in chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, O thy first among women. She is called the first. Now look down to verse 9, which says, My dove, my undefiled. Look at verse 9. My dove, my undefiled, is but one. She is the only one of her mother. She is the choice one of her that bear her. So in verse 9, she is the choice one. In verse 10, it says, Who is she that looketh forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, and terrible as an army of banners? So in verse 10, the daughters of Jerusalem say she's as fair as the moon. And others say she's as fair as the moon and as clear as the sun. And when you go back to verse 4, it says, Thou art beautiful, O my love, comely as Jerusalem. So there's no doubt there's a wonderful testimony about the bride. And that's why I say she was 
radiant. So she is the first among women. She is the choice one. She is fair as the moon. She is clear as the sun. She is beautiful. And this is why I believe she is the radiant one. The radiant one. So they asked this question when they saw the beautiful, radiant bride passing by, leaning on her beloved. Now there's no doubt that it's a wonderful question. And of course, in Song of Solomon, the bride is a picture of the church. And the bridegroom is a wonderful type of our Lord Jesus Christ, our heavenly bridegroom. And it shows us what the believer's posture ought to be. And that is leaning on our beloved. He is the one we can trust in these days. He is the one that we can lean upon. But before we get into this, let's look at the first three words of our text, which is, who is this? Now, let me digress just a little bit. In Matthew 21 and verse 10, it asks the same question. But this is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ when he entered into Jerusalem. And they were throwing the branches on the, on the ground and the palm leaves and all the rest of it. And the city was moved saying, who is this? Who is this? And again in Isaiah 63, we haven't got time to go into these verses. I'm just highlighting them by the way. In Isaiah 63, we have a prophecy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 1 says, Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bosra? Who is this? Who is this? And these verses, of course, are in relation to the Lord Jesus Christ. But the question in the Song of Solomon is in reference to the bride. And the bride, like Christ, is known by many other names as well. Let's just look at a couple of these names uh, in passing. Now, recently we have been looking at the names of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw that he was the, the Son of God, the Son of the Highest, the Son of the Most High. We saw a lot of names uh, can. Uh, in relation to Christ. We, we looked at the names of God. Jehovah said, can you? Jehovah Jireh and all those other names that we looked at. But we're going to look at a few names in relation to the church. What are we called in the word of God? So just a few or just a couple in passing to show us, the bride, the church, what we're known by in other scriptures. Now the first place we turn to is Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. It says, Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth in the holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Now it seems that the Corinthian church did not realize this because Paul had to write to them and rebuke them. 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God 
and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. That's the believer. That's the church. And so in these verses alone, we are likened on to a habitation. We are likened on to a building. We are likened on to the household of God. We are likened on to fellow citizens. We are likened on to a holy temple. We are likened on to the temple of God. Now if we turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 23, it says this, And have put all things under his feet, and gave him to the, be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And here we are called his body. And here we see that the church is likened to a bride, a glorious church, holy and without blemish in Ephesians chapter 5. We'll not go into that. It's a, a long reading. But a bride, a glorious church, holy, without blemish. So, let me just go through some of those names. A bride, a glorious church, his body, holy temple, household of God, a building, a habitation, holy and without blemish. And there are many other names the church is known by many other names. Okay, back into Son of Solomon, chapter 8 and verse 5. It's interesting, folks, that the daughters of Jerusalem said, Who is this? As if to say or suggest that the bride is something of a mystery. They didn't know who it was. Uh, she was a mystery or an enigma, if you like. And folks, that's exactly what the church is to the unsaved today. They don't see it and they don't understand it. They use the word church to describe this building that we meet in. But folks, you and I, we are the church. We are the bride. We are his body, as I have explained in those verses. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. You know, whenever you go outside and you speak to people, uh, you tell them you're a Christian, you tell them you're a born-again believer, you tell them you're, you're saved, and they'll say, are you going to church? And very often we would just say, yes, I go to church. But of course, we are the church, and we come to this building where the church meets. This building is sanctified as our meeting place, the meeting place of the church. And to a point... The church is a mystery, which was hidden in the Old Testament, or to the Old Testament saints, but revealed by Paul, the apostle, and through Paul to the saints. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 9 says, Having made known unto us, that is the church, the mystery of his will. And then if you turn over the page, oh well let's look, look at that one, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 3, 4, and 9. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 3, 4, 9. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read ye may understand my knowledge 
in the mystery of Christ. Verse 9, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things to Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to explain was revealed unto him. And then uh, when we come to Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, it says this, Even the mystery which has been hid from ages as from generations, but now is made manifest to the saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Folks, what a mystery the Christian, the believer, is to the unsaved world. They cannot understand the believer. They cannot understand the Christian. We are new creatures in Christ, folks. All things have passed away. All things have become new. And folks, what strange Christians these people are. What strange people these Christians are, the world would say. They sing hymns. Instead of worldly songs, they they love to pray rather than worldly pleasure. They read the old book called the Bible rather than the latest novel. They live more for the world to come rather than enjoy the world today. (laughs) Folks, even the Word of God calls us peculiar, and Pastor mentioned that this morning. But of course, that name means special. We are a peculiar people. We are special to God. Yes, folks, the church is a mystery. So the question was asked, who is this? And the answer is, she is the bride. She is a type of the body of Christ. She is a type of the church to come. She is a mystery. Then the question continues, who is this that cometh up from the wilderness? In Deuteronomy 32, 10, 11, we read about Jacob, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's name was changed by God to Israel in Genesis 32, 28 to 30. But in Deuteronomy 32, 10 and 11, it says, He found him in a desert land and in the waste, howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead them. And there was no strange God with him. And so the Lord certainly led Jacob and the twelve tribes of Jacob, or the twelve sons of Jacob, who were the twelve tribes of Israel. Folks, God led Israel through the wilderness. God instructed them in the wilderness. God kept them. God cared for them. And Israel is still the apple of God's eye. And so, even though they are still in unbelief, they're still the apple of God's eye. In the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 3, it records their wilderness journey and how God looked out for them. 
and he is still looking out for them today and we do need to pray for Israel we do need to pray for their safekeeping even though God is still in control and still looking out for them in Jeremiah 31 verse 2 it says thus saith the Lord the people which were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness even Israel when I went to cause him to rest so God led them God instructed them God cared for them God looked out for them and they found grace in the wilderness and the same God folks will not leave them at this present time he loves them of course he wants them to repent he wants them to come to him and there will be a day future when that will happen but God will not leave them alone now saying all that I need to say this Israel is not the church and the church is not Israel they are two separate identities but God dealt with both Israel and the church in similar ways Israel was brought out of Egypt the church is called out of the world a type of Egypt Israel is temporarily cut off the church is grafted in Romans 11 11 says have they stumbled that they should fall God forbid but rather through their fall salvation is come on to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy so through their unbelief and their fall salvation is come to us the Gentiles and one of the reasons for this is so that the Lord would have a beautiful bride the church and to provoke Israel unto jealousy Romans eleven twenty says this because of unbelief they were broken off and Romans eleven twenty three says this for God is able to graft them in again so there is a future for Israel they will be grafted back in again and just as the Lord God took or looked out for Israel led them and, and they found grace in him we too who have been called out of the world have found grace in his sight and he cares for us so much so that he died on the cross that we might obtain the free gift of salvation the Lord in his word says I will never leave thee nor forsake thee and folks we received grace upon grace John 1 16 saving grace Ephesians 2 8 and 9 sufficient grace 2 Corinthians 12 serving grace 1 Peter 4 Hebrews 12 sanctifying grace 1 Peter 2 verse 2 Galatians 4 verse 7 says wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son and if a son then an heir of God through Christ folks <laughs> this is the grace of God in action for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God we have been brought out of the wilderness the wilderness of sin 
the wilderness of shame, the wilderness of selfishness, the wilderness of separation from God, into a place of deliverance and honor and security, into the arms of our Lord Jesus Christ, and no man shall pluck them out of his hand. And we continue to lean on our beloved. And we come to the end of our wilderness journey, which I believe to be soon. I believe the Lord will continue to be with us and then we will be taken up to be with him in the air. Who is this? Coming out of the wilderness, leaning. Who is this? Leaning. Uh, this indication of the bride's posture is significant. And folks, in salvation, in service, in sanctification, our attitude as a bride must be one of leaning upon our beloved, our heavenly bridegroom. So why did she lean on him in the first place? As the bride, as the church, we got us the same question. In herself, she was weak. Second Corinthians, I'm looking at her in the Old Testament. I'm putting the cross to the church in the New Testament. Why does she lean upon him? She's a type of the church. He's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, the heavenly bridegroom. And 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Why did she lean upon him? She was weak. She was leaning upon him because she believed he would support her. Jude verse 24. Now unto to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever to keep you from falling. Thirdly she leaned on him because the journey was long and arduous difficult. She needed his guidance. She needed his wisdom. She needed his protection. She needed his provision. Guidance, Proverbs 3, 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Wisdom, James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. Protection, underneath are the everlasting arms and he shall thrust out the enemy from before and shall say destroy them provision Philippians 4.19 but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus folks what a fellowship what a joy divine leaning on the everlasting arms folks are you leaning are you leaning on the everlasting arms? We all, in a, in a sense, did this in repentance. We lean on him. We trust him. We believe on him. Isn't that true? In temptations and trials, we lean on him. In times of sorrow, we lean on him. In, in times of persecution, by the world, we lean on him. In times of sickness and bereavement, we lean on him. 
At least we ought to. We ought to be leaning on our beloved. Ought to. Fourthly, who is this? Leaning upon her beloved. Who or whom was she leaning upon? Well, it was her beloved. Leaning on her beloved because it was her beloved. She loved. She loved him. Now remember, the Song of Solomon is a love story between the bride and the bridegroom. And it is a beautiful picture of the church, the bride, and our Lord Jesus Christ, the heavenly bridegroom. The whole message of the book of Song of Solomon is love. And at the end of verse 5 it says, I raised thee up under the apple tree. The bridegroom was attentive to her. The bridegroom was attentive to her cry and her requests. Just like our Lord Jesus Christ is ever open to our requests and our cries. And of course, the very first cry was one of salvation. One of salvation. And in a sense, we raised him up. Or we caught his attention. When he heard the groanings of our heart, Lord, save me. I'm a sinner. When I think of that, I think of the little hymn, Nor have I gotten but what I've received. Grace has bestowed it since I have believed. Boasting excluded, pride I abased. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. She raised him up. Again, we think of the Philippine jailer. What must I do to be saved? And this is a request that grabs the Lord's attention. And of course, Paul and so forth answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I shall be saved. She, the bride, said, I raised thee up onto the apple tree. When he was resting peacefully, she roused him with her cry. Just like the Lord inclines to us when we call upon him. Uh, you know, the Lord does not force himself upon us. The Lord does not twist our arm up our back to get saved. But when we call out unto him, when we rouse him up as it were, it grabs his attention. And Jeremiah 33 and verse 3 says this, Call unto me. He doesn't say, One day I'm going to come down there and twist your arm and you're going to get saved. No, 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 no. He says, call unto me, and I will, positive, I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. David the psalmist says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. His ears are ever open. To their cry. Whenever I give a testimony, I normally would read Psalm 116. And the first couple of verses of Psalm 116 says this I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore, Will I call upon him 
as long as I live. I love the Lord because he heard my voice. She saw him under the apple tree, as it were, resting, relaxing. And she raised him up. She called him unto her. So after the bride cries and gets the bridegroom's attention, she says, Set me as a seal upon thine heart. Look at Song of Solomon chapter 8 and verse 6. Song of Solomon chapter 8 and verse 6. Thy teeth are as a flock of sheep which go up from the washing thereof. Every one trains among them. Okay, verse uh, set me as a seed. Oh, where am I going to? I've got the wrong verse then, but she says, set me as a seal upon thine heart. And folks, that's exactly what our heavenly bridegroom has done for us. And whenever we go to Ephesians chapter 1, 12 and 13, uh, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit of promise. Folks, there is no doubt that the bride loved the bridegroom very much. She says, Love is strong as death. She loved him because he loved her. And this is why we ought to love our heavenly bridegroom. 1 John 4 and verse 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. Son of Solomon chapter 8 and verse 6 tells us something of the depth of his love. The depth of his love. It's a love that cannot die. Strong as death. Lasts forever. Non-ending love. It's a glorious love. Verse 7. Many waters cannot quench love. There's no way that even a flood can drown love. It is a love that cannot be bought. That, that's the intent of verse 7. Verse, the meaning of the last verse, verse 7, is that if we give all that we have and all that we possess, it is not sufficient for us to purchase love. Love cannot be bought. Now let me bring this short study to a close by asking, have you started the journey out of the wilderness by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you progressing in your walk through the wilderness? And as you do, are you leaning on, relying upon, depending on your beloved? Is he really all you need? Now the answer to that question is yes. So instead of saying, is he really all you need, change the first two words. Is he? He is really all you need. Because he loves you. But do you love him? John 21, in closing. John chapter 21, in closing. Verse 15. And when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now he was referring to the fish 
that he had caught 153 fish in the net. He was a fisherman. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Thou knowest that I love thee. Can we say that? Can we say that we love our heavenly bridegroom? Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving heavenly Father, again we give thee thanks for the opportunity of just looking into thy word. We thank thee for the heavenly bridegroom. We thank thee for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee that those that are here that are make up the church. And O oh God, our Father, we do pray that we might be leaning constantly upon thee. Father, now just bless us as we close and take us on our way rejoicing. Amen.